I read a story about a young woman and, and this story that I'm sure you've heard before. I know I've shared it with you before many years ago. But this young woman complained about all the hard things that was going on in her life. So much in this world that was just weighing her down. And she's like complained to her friend about it. And her friend was like, just, I hear you. Let me show you something. And her friend went over and got three pots, put them on the stove, went to the kitchen, cranked up the the oven and the top of the stove and got the boiling water and pulled out some carrots, two carrots in one, threw some eggs in the second pot and took some ground coffee and threw in the third pot. Let it simmer for a while. Then talked to her friend for a little bit more and then came back, pulled everything off the top of the stove and said, well, what does this have to do with everything I'm talking about? She goes, what's in this first pot? Carrots. What's in the second pot? Eggs. What's in the second pot? Coffee grounds. What about them? Remember how the carrots were? They were hard, right? Grab one of those carrots down, squeeze it. It's all squishy. And I said, now take it out of the second pot here. It's an egg. Test that. And she cracked it open. It was, it was a hard-boiled egg now. And then out of the third pot, she dipped a cup of coffee out and took a drink. And it's just a rich flavor. It's so good. She goes, what does this have to do with about everything that's going on in my life? And she said, I want you to take a look at these three things. All three things were put subject to the same adversity. Each of them was put in this hot water and boiled. Same adversity. But look how the three of them came out different. One was hard, came out soft. One was soft, came out hard. The other one didn't really change too much, but it changed everything around it. And she looked at her friend and said, we all face adversity. We all face problems. The question is, how are you going to come out afterwards? Is your adversity going to cause you to just be soft and cushy and can't handle it? Or is it cause you to be hard and bitter? Or will the adversity in your life cause you and allow you to enrich others around you with a new flavor? Hmm. Gave something to think about, right? Because here's the, here's the truth, church. We're all faced with adversity right now. It's 2020. Enough said, Right? The fact that I came up and I came up this morning here to preach, I've got a t-shirt and jeans on. Not one of you said anything. I'm always dressed up on Sunday. Nobody said, he's got a t-shirt and jeans on. You know why nobody said anything? It's 2020. You almost expect anything goes. I could have come up here in a bathrobe and preach and you're like, yeah, what about it? It's 2020. Anything goes, right? I get it. We're all facing all kinds of crazy things, right? So what I'm doing this Sunday and the next couple Sundays, taking a break from the adventures in the Bible sermons. And I just want to sort of hit on current situations that we're all facing right now. It is a very unstable time in our nation. And I know everybody's tired of hearing it, right? You're going to hear it again. We are living in a, in a nation right now currently that is uh, questionable as far as what is going on. There is adversity. There are problems that we're all facing. And we sort of are asked, how do we live and respond in this world to what is going on? Now, I'm going to have to ask Dan to help me out here with my slides because I don't know if they're popping up there for me. We are all going to face adversity daily. And the question is, how are we all going to come out of this? Like the carrot? We're going to come out like the egg, or are we going to be like the coffee? This morning's message 
by the way, is really geared towards those of you who call yourselves Christians. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, what I'm about ready to say today may not make much sense to you. And that's okay. Hopefully you'll get something out of it. But my word this morning, my message this morning is for those who basically have said, I've placed my faith in Jesus Christ. I trust the God of this universe for my salvation. This message is for you. It's sort of like this. If I was a part of the Cleveland Browns football team, I'd have team rules, expectations, and a culture for which I would live by under the guidelines of the Cleveland Browns. But if I'm over here and I'm a Pittsburgh Steeler, okay, I'm going to be different from the Browns because I've got different rules, different expectations, a different culture. It's the same way with those who call themselves Christians and are Christians and those who are not. There are different expectations, different cultural living, right? And I'm speaking to those who are Christians this morning, who belong to God's kingdom. Are you all following me on this? So church, this is for all of us who have faith in Jesus Christ and listen very carefully. First of all, I want to challenge you with this. I want to ask you to pray for our nation. As a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm asking this morning, pray for our nation. I'm going to ask you to pray for our president. Yes, he is sick with the coronavirus, seems to be doing well, but he needs our prayers not just because he's sick, but because he makes a lot of decisions. Incredible pressure on him every day. Not one of us could even step into those shoes right now and understand. So I'm asking you to pray for our president, and he is our president. I understand that some people say, well, he's not my president. I I get it. You don't like him. But if you're a citizen of these United States, he is your president, period. If I was a student in the classroom and I have a teacher up in front of me, maybe I don't like that teacher. I think that teacher's unfair. I don't like how the teacher's treating me. I think that teacher might be racist. I am therefore going to look at my teacher and say, that's not my teacher. Hello, are you still in the classroom? Yes. Who's grading your papers? That teacher. Guess what? That's your teacher. To think otherwise is foolish. For those of us who sit there and say, that's not my president, that is a foolish statement because as a citizen of the United States, that is your president. Like I said, whether you like him or not, that's your choice. But he is your president. You don't like your boss? Don't like your coach? Guess what? They are still your boss. They are still your coach. Just because, you know, I know I've seen students do this. I probably did it as a student too. Sit in my class. Teacher's going to, does anybody know the answer to number seven? We put our head down. You know why? It means automatic invisible shield. As soon as I drop my head, I become invisible. The teacher does not see me, therefore cannot call upon me. Right? We all do that. So a lot of us think like, I'm therefore not around because I'm ignoring the teacher. And you just can't do that. That is still your teacher. That is still your president. That is still your boss. That is still your coach. You all follow me on this? So I'm asking you to please pray. For Donald Trump, he is our president. He needs our prayers. The congressmen and women of these United States need our prayers. The governors need our prayers. The mayors need our prayers. Pray for our nation. I'm also going to ask you to pray for our nation to be a nation of love, not hate. I'm going to ask you to pray for our nation to be a nation of peace, 
not rioting, not revenge. I'm going to ask you to pray for our nation to be a nation of justice. I'm going to ask you to pray for healing for those who have been physically touched in one way or another, whether it's a virus, a bacteria, a flu, a cancer, whatever it may be. We have sick people all around from various things. I ask you to pray for healing. I ask you to pray for hope. There's a lot of people who are depressed, discouraged, and they are fearing things in their lives right now. They need hope. Pray for hope. I ask you to pray for kindness. We uh, can be very judgmental at times. We forget to be kind. We must pray for unity. I have been saying this for six or seven months now. I can't remember when we first went online uh, because we couldn't be in here. We were all in quarantine. And as we were having to make decisions like everybody else, all I asked for was this. I'm going to ask you as a church to pray for what? Love and unity, right? And I ask you to continue to pray for love and unity. When I see how fear, sickness, uh, politics are dividing our nation, it scares me. A simple thing as a mask causes division. If I wear a mask, or I should say when I wear a mask, and I'm out in public and I'm wearing a mask, I, I, I look at people and I sort of feel like I'm being judged by those who aren't wearing a mask. Like if they're looking at me and saying, oh, bowing to Caesar, huh? Oh, what are you fearful of? Got a mask on. And so then I take my mask off and I don't wear a mask. And then I feel judgment and shame. Because you see, heroes wear a mask. I'm not wearing a mask. I guess I'm not a hero. Oh, and heroes, I'm sorry, and people who wear masks love others. So if I'm not wearing a mask, I must hate others. And I feel shamed for wearing a mask. And I feel shamed for not wearing a mask. Do you see what it does? It causes division. Wearing a mask, not wearing a mask, it doesn't matter. If you need to wear a mask, wear a mask. It's okay. It's okay. But I feel like it's dividing. Again, we must act in love and unity. We must pray for this nation. I believe prayer changes this nation. I believe prayer changes us. And it begins with us. So I want to get very basic today in this message. Because the first thing we need to pray for is repentance. Now you probably have seen, if you're on social media, you've probably seen this verse. It's blasted everywhere, especially when, this, when the, the pandemic first started. Because we are falling apart. If we just all repent, God will release us from this pandemic. And you may have seen this verse, Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. Yes, there's a promise back in Chronicles. Yes, there's a promise today too. I believe that. I believe we are called, all of us, to repent. Jesus even told us to repent. Matthew 4, 17 says this. Jesus said, repent of your sins. Turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. Church, we must confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord. We have to admit we are sinners. We have to admit we all make mistakes. We have to admit that we have blown it and that there's only one way to get right with God that is through Jesus Christ. Amen? I love what the Apostle Paul said in the book of Romans, chapter 5, verses 1 and 32. It says this, we've been made right in God's sight by faith. Look at this next part. We have peace with God. Isn't that a good thing, peace with God? 
We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Not what we've done, but what he's done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into a place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. Thank you, Lord, right? Look at verse 8 then. But God showed his great love for us. By sending Christ to die for us while we're still sinners. And since we've been what? Made right with God in God's sight. By how? Because here's the question. Well, how did we get right in God's sight? Read the next part. By the blood of Jesus Christ. We just sang about the cross. At the cross, right? Verse 10. For since our friendship with God. That, just stop right there. You ever thought about that? We've got an almighty, amazing God, a creator of all the universe that says, I want a relationship with you. I want to be your friend. That, to me, is like, no way. Because that sounds like irreverent, right? Like, sort of call him a friend. He's God. Paul says our friendship with God was what? Restored because it was broken, but it's restored. How? By the death of his son while we were still his enemies. We will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice for our wonderful new relationship with God. Why? Because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. Very basic truth right here. We need to repent because our relationship has been broken apart. Sin separates us from God. So we repent. God, I am so sorry for my sins. And God says, I'm sending my son to die on a cross so that you can be saved. And I'm going to restore our relationship. So now we have this new, wonderful relationship with him. And then everybody's like, that's awesome. I came to God. I said, forgive me. And God's like, I've forgiven you. And then we're like, that's good. This is our problem right here. We all stop right there and we think, I'm forgiven. I'm a child of God. I'm forgiven. I'm going to go do what I want to do now. No. You see, repenting is this. Repenting is stopping, recognizing that we're in a life of sin. God, forgive me. So we turn from our sin, but we turn to God. Now we walk and live in obedience. And a lot of us are content with saying, I'm sorry, God, forgive me. And I'm just going to stop right here. God's like, no, repenting is turning and now living for God in obedience. Turn to uh, John chapter 13, please. John chapter 13, while you're turning there, let me give you some background. The disciples and Jesus are in an upper room. This is hours before Jesus is going to be arrested and crucified. They're in the upper room. Jesus washes their feet because there was no servant there. And the disciples are like, wow, he is our leader. And he just washed our feet. He just played the role of a servant. Judas is like, wait a minute. I thought, I thought leaders get served they're like the big, the big boss, you know? But you're telling me that leaders serve others? I've had enough of your kingdom, Jesus. Judas leaves. He's going to go betray Jesus, right? Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's basically, I'm going to sort of paraphrase this for you. He's like, you know, I know Moses gave you Ten Commandments, right? And then the, the prophets, they sort of multiplied those Ten Commandments. And then the religious leaders really multiplied those commandments. Now there's hundreds of commands, Let me sum it up for you. Look at verse 34. So now I'm giving you a new command. Love each other just as I loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. There it is. 
Jesus says, yeah, you've repented, you're my disciples. Now what do you need to do? I want you to start loving one another, please. Love each other. Actually, there's no please to it. It was a command. Love one another. The greatest command, right? Oh, wait, there was another command right before that. Jesus shared it earlier. We find that in the book of Mark, Mark 12, verse 30. It says this, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. There's a reason I wore this shirt today. There's a reason I dressed the way I did today. Because I decided I would just be a walking billboard for the message. Okay, it's really simple. First command, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Then what? Love one another, right? Love God, love others. Jesus put it, could have put it into four words. He explained it a little bit more and a little bit better, right? But see, God first told Moses back up on the mountain when he gave him the Ten Commandments. You all remember that story? Oh, we'll get to it in the adventures, I'm sure, okay? He gave him Ten Commands. The first four of the Ten Commands, check them out. You shall have no other gods before me. There's only one God, by the way. Not a lot. There's only one real God. Number two, you shall not make unto thee any graven image. What's a graven image? Basically anything you worship more than God, your car, your job, money, people, anything you put before God, that's a graven image. And God says, no, I'm first. Not your job, not your money, not your status. I'm first. Oh, what's number three? Number three is not to take the name of the Lord in vain. Number four, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. What do those first four commands basically sum up? Two words, love God. The first four commands basically sum up a relationship with God. That's to love him and him alone. The next six commands then head out horizontally to love others. Check them out. First of all, honor your father and your mother. It's important that we show our parents respect. You know, and and I want to say this to the young people in here. Young people meaning kids, teenagers, those of you in your 20s. I still have my mom around. I still honor and respect her. It's a biblical command. It isn't like, I'm 18 now, I don't have to do that anymore. Mm, Where'd you get that? That command goes on and on to your parents depart. Look at number six. Thou shalt not kill. That's pretty simple. Okay. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Let Let me expand on this one. If it's not yours, it's not yours. How about that? Okay? A lot of us have a problem with that. I know it's not mine, but but is it yours? No. Then it's not yours. So if you take from it, it's, that's called stealing. That's a no-no. It's number eight. Number nine, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. That's about honesty. Number ten, thou shalt not covet. To covet means to be jealous of something. Oh, I really like that. And you start jealous and start lusting and loving over it. And it's like, God says, stop. That's not loving others. Because those next six commands are all horizontal, to love one another. Love God, love others. Jesus summed it up in his command, right? We need both of those right now more than ever. Church, I ask you to pray for our nation. Pray for our nation. Pray for our nation. Pray for love and unity, peace and kindness, all those things. I ask you to do that. I ask you to pray for repentance. Get right with God. But once we get right with God, let's start getting it right with each other. We need to love one another a little bit better. And again, I'm not, I hope you understand this. I am not up here uh, lecturing you, okay? I want to encourage you. I can't tell you how proud I am to be a part of this church because I know this is a very loving church. 
So I just want to say, I just want to encourage you to keep on. And then for those listening, those watching, those you want to share this with later, just encourage them. We need to love one another. Listen, you don't have to be somebody's best friend to love them. You don't have to lavish these gifts upon people to love them. You just need to look at them, recognize, you know what? They were created in the image of God just as I was created in the image of God. And if they were created in the image of God, guess what? They have value. Yes, that person that just ticks you off and makes you mad, they were created in the image of God too. They have value. So I need to show them love. That's going to be challenging, isn't it? They're different than you. Good. Love them. They are, I don't know, they behave differently than you. That's fine. Good. Love them. They might smell different than you. Love them. They might dress different than you. Love them. They might have more tattoos and piercings than you have ever seen in your whole life. And it's like, good, love them. Because that might be different than you. And if you're the one with all the tattoos and piercings and they have none, good, love them. And if they're from, you know, Michigan fans, love them. (laughs) Just kidding. I mean, I'm not not kidding on the love them. Actually, love them. My bad. No matter who they cheer for, love them, okay? See, we can love. You know why we can love? We can love because God is love. God first loved us. God is an amazing God, right? Check this out. Romans 5, 5. Put it on the screen for you. For we know how dearly God loves us, and he's given us what? His Holy Spirit, and his Holy Spirit fills our hearts with what? Love. See, we can love others. I know it's challenging, but we can, and it's a lie for us to believe we can't. We can because God's spirit indwells us. His love is in us. Therefore, it should be spilling out of us. Turn to John 17. John 17. And I know, again, it's like the book of John. Weren't we there for like, I don't know, a year? Yeah. But this is worth coming back to because it's a great passage. Okay, they all are. But again, let's sum up Jesus in the uh, sum this up. Jesus is with his disciples in the upper room before his crucifixion. John chapter fifteen. Jesus says, "Hey, I want you guys to abide in me. I'm the vine, right? You're the branches. I want you to abide in me. And by the way, you're abiding in me. The fact that you are my followers, the world's going to hate you. Just telling you now, the world's going to hate you. But hang in there. It hated me first, okay? So it's going to hate you. You're not alone. I'm sending you my Holy Spirit." John chapter 16, then Jesus says, basically this, don't walk away from your faith. I know it's going to get tough. It's going to get scary. But again, I'm giving you my Holy Spirit who will walk with you. He is at work. You're okay. And by the way, uh, you're all going to run away here real soon. You're going to scatter and you're going to leave me alone. But I'm not alone because the Spirit of God is with me. God is with me. Have peace in me. Even as you face the worst of situations, have peace in me. And that peace that I have, I'm going to give to you someday. That's 15 and 16. Then we get to 17. So you think about this. He's like, okay, guys, let's pray. Now, what's Jesus going to pray about? You know, like a lot of us are like, dear Jesus. Now, what did he do? He's like, dear me. I mean, how did he start his prayer? You know, well, he's praying to God, his heavenly father who is him, right? So he's going to pray to his heavenly father. What is he going to pray about? Remember, he knows the cross is coming. God, make this quick. God, I know this is going to be painful. Man, help me endure the pain. What what is he praying for? God, I hope I don't have to get scourged. Just make it quick. Behead me. I don't want to be on the cross. 
That's so shameful. What is this prayer? Listen to what Jesus prays for. We're going to start in verse 6 of John 17. I have revealed to you the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know everything I have is a gift from you, for I've passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it. They know that I've come from you, and they believe that you sent me. So basically, God start, or Jesus starts this prayer saying, God, thank you for these disciples, and they know, they know that I'm from you. They know that I have a relationship with you. And, and God, now that they're, they know me, they're going to know you. So he sort of builds this, right? And then he gets into verse 9. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you've given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you've given them to me, so they bring me glory. So Jesus is departing from the world, and this is what he prays, verse 11. Now I'm departing from the world, they're staying in the world, but I'm coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. Jesus starts praying for his disciples. He prays, protect them, make them one, unite them. Oh, he's not done. Look at verse 20. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their Message. Wait a minute. Stop right now. Take a look around this room. Just look at everybody. Take a look. Front, back, sideways. Look all around. Look all around. Okay. Everybody see everybody? A couple waves going on. That's cool. All right. I can do it. Yeah. So here's the thing. Everybody you just looked at right now, Jesus prayed for in that moment. He prayed for you in that moment. Isn't that incredible? He is about ready to die. And you know who he's thinking about? Us. Us. He goes, I pray, verse 21, that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Verse 22, I've given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them, you're in me. Jesus prayed for our oneness. Jesus prayed for our unity. But then he goes on to say this, may they experience such perfect unity in the world that they will know that you sent me and that you have, and that you love them as much as you love me. He prayed that we would be one. He prayed that we would be unified. Why? So that others would believe. Church, listen very carefully. Evangelism doesn't work when the church fights. Outreach stops when the people of God do not get along with each other. If we can't get along with each other, if we argue with Christians all the time, you know what happens to the rest of the world? They miss out on salvation. That's our fault. Jesus prayed that we'd be one and we'd be unified. Now we have opportunity to be a part of answered prayer or not. Jesus prayed that all of us, Republican, Democrat, black, white, young, old, educated, uneducated, doesn't matter, would be one. Jesus was intentional that we be unified as a church. Unified, not uniformity, unified. Being uniform means we all dress the same, we all look the same, we all get the same haircut. Uh, he didn't call for that. 
We're not the same. We will not always agree on certain things. You like one color, I like another. You want to eat Mexican, maybe I want to eat Chinese. I don't know. Just give me a burger. I'll take pizza. I don't care. We're not all going to be uniform on that. We can be diverse in our looks, our ethnicity, our opinion, but we must be unified as the body of Christ. There's no question that we're living in a time of dispute and division. It's obvious. We see it around us, and it's, I think it's intensified, and it just gets brought up more and more. And our nation is deeply divided right now over politics and political, I'm sorry, social justice, racial rela- uh, relations, um, sexual morality. The list goes on, and unity seems to be a hopeless prayer. But David said this, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's good when we come together as one, isn't it? That's what I love about Sunday mornings. When we come in here to worship, we're worshiping as one. And he's not talking about unity and society in general. He's talking about unity among believers in that verse. How good and pleasant it is when the body of Christ gets together and we're one. It's a beautiful thing. It's a powerful thing to God's redeeming work within us. Unity brings us together despite our differences. Unity brings us together in spirit and purpose. It means that we're in agreement with essentials of our faith. Let me give you an example. We must be unified in the belief that this book here, in its original manuscripts, is inspired by God. It is infallible. There are no errors within it. We must be unified in the fact that Jesus is both fully God and human, and he came to earth in his completely righteous life. He gave himself as an atonement for our sins. And apart from him, there is no salvation. There's unity in that truth. To think outside that is not unity. Church, here's my question for us this morning. Are we pursuing unity or are we causing division? And again, I just want to, I just want to feel like this morning, you know, what do I want to preach on? I I want you to understand there's two kingdoms going on. There's this earthly kingdom and a godly kingdom. And we're going to learn more about God's kingdom because a lot of us right now, we're living in an earthly kingdom and it's going to affect how we vote in a couple weeks. And I want you to understand as God's people, how we should be thinking when it comes to unity in this nation And I want you to understand it begins with a repentance, a call to prayer and repentance, but then obedient living on our behalf. And on our behalf, that means loving God and loving others. And following what God, I'm sorry, what Jesus prayed for, and that was unity among the body. Jesus commanded disciples, I want you to love one another. Love one another. And he prayed that they would be unified. Church, listen, leaders are going to come and go. Policies are going to come and go. Words will fade. Opinions will change. But our God is eternal. Our God is eternal. Psalm 45, 6 says this, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. God's kingdom is unshakable. Unshakable. He never changes. His word is eternal. His word is here to stay. Next week, you're going to hear me say, your vote matters. But listen, church, your love matters even more every day. 
Yeah, your opinion matters, but unity matters more. We can't allow politics, viruses, or debates to divide the church. And I'm not talking about just our church. Again, I'm talking about church nationally, universally. Not just our church, all the churches in Fulton County, Northwest Ohio, within our state, within the United States. We need to pray not just for our church, but all churches, for all of God's people, that we are unified in our love towards God and towards one another. So how do we put this into practice here in the last couple minutes? Let me just say this. I'll give you two things. One, pray for unity and love unconditionally. How's that? That's sort of our, I want to say, assignment. But that's what we're commanded. Pray the prayer of Jesus for unity. Pray for unity among our church. I told you to pray for all these other things. Pray for unity. Love unconditionally. You're not sure how? Let me give you a tip. Here's how you're going to love somebody unconditionally. You're going to go on social media in the next hour. You're going to post some political jargon, okay? And then the first person that reacts to your political post in a negative way, that's the person you're going to love unconditionally, okay? I'm just kidding. Don't do that, okay? Delete the post right away. Seriously, you're going to have people that disagree with you, right? Here's the thing. When I say love unconditionally, we're like, oh, I can love people. We're really good at loving people we know. We're really good at loving people who will love us back. We got to learn to love people unconditionally, people that can't love us back, people that won't love us back. Isn't that what God did? He had agape love. For God so loved the world. That's agape love. Agape love is unconditional love. God loved this world, a world that hates him, but he loved them anyway. And now he looks at us and says, go love one another. Love unconditionally. Begin to look at others as God looks at us. Listen, again, maybe it helps you like this. When you look at people, just remember this. Look at them and say, they were created in the image of God. I mean, I get along with them. I don't agree with them. But they were created in the image of God. That means they have value, that God loves them. And I need to try to love them. Like I said, you don't have to lavish expensive gifts on them. You don't have to be their best friend. But how can you just show them love? Maybe it just begins by praying for them. Maybe that's where it starts. Be careful with your thoughts. Maybe you know, Maybe how you can love somebody unconditionally? Stop judging them. Have you walked in their shoes? Do you know what they're going through? Nope. They're probably hurting. Maybe you've heard the phrase, hurt people hurt people. See, if you've been hurt by somebody, you know why? Because that person's hurting. Pray for them. Love unconditionally. As Christians, we belong to God's kingdom. We are citizens of heaven. So I'm asking you, and encouraging you this morning. Let's act like citizens of heaven. Let's love God. Our God, our King. Let's love others. Let's love others. Worship team, would you come forward, please? Would you stand, please, church? As I pray, I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you, one, do you need to repent and ask God to forgive you of something? Two, Who is it that you need to show love to unconditionally? Who is it? Ask God to bring that person to your mind. Maybe you already did. Again, I'm not, did I, did I say restore all relationships today? And you know who's the, the restoring relationship job is? The work of God, right? Our job is to start seeking forgiveness, start loving, and let's see where God takes it from there. So pray. 
for repentance. Pray for that person you're supposed to love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an amazing God you are. What an awesome God you are. That you love us so much that you send Jesus, your son. And when he was about ready to die, he started praying for me and everybody in this room and everybody watching online and those that aren't here today. What an amazing thing, God, that you love us so much and you prayed for us. You want us to be one. You want to restore that relationship with us. And then you want us to restore relationships with each other and and love each other. And that is so hard today. But God, it starts with us. Maybe our hearts just need to be broken because they're a little hard. Maybe they're like that boiled egg become hardened in adversity. God, soften our hearts. Soft our hearts. Change us. God, we seek forgiveness. Forgive us, Lord, for the things we've done that are wrong. We bring these things to you right now and say, God, forgive us. Whatever it is, God, we're putting it right before you right now and say, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm sorry for what I've said. I'm sorry for what I've judged others. Forgive me, God. God, thank you for forgiveness. God, thank you for now giving us your spirit. Because God, now we can be like that coffee that can permeate everything around us. And we can now be the ones that are maybe impacting others around us because it's your spirit working through us. God, it's not my love. My love is not good enough, but your love is perfect. Your love casts out fear. Your love is what I need. So God, through your spirit, may your love Lord, just saturate all of us, Lord, in this room right now. May it be your love that works through us to love others. God, I trust that you are in control. I believe that. So God, no matter what's going on in this world right now, division or adversity, whatever it may be, God, I believe in the unity that you provide through your spirit for this body of believers. So God, unite us as a body of believers. Help us to love you and to love others. God, I know you answered that prayer. Thank you, Lord, for being an amazing God. We love you, Lord. We want to sing to you. In that name we pray. Amen.